folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. We are live from Birdie Golf. Matthew Collar along with Sam Ekstrom. And it's nice to be back inside of Birdie Golf, Sam, especially since the weather is garbage. And it's the perfect day to golf inside and not outside because it's awful. So very, very happy that they welcomed us out here for a pre-draft show. Yeah, the forecast lied to me all week. I was going to go out with my dad golfing on Monday and it was like 73, and then it was 66 and a chance of rain, and then it was 61, and then it ended up being like 50 degrees and windy, and don't get me wrong, it was good to be out there, but uh, the climate control in here is unmatched. The ambiance is awesome. They got every drink you can imagine. Get like a, get a nice cocktail, bring your clubs, and uh, and play some golf. Uh, it's it, The numbers that they spit out for you are awesome. I think it's actually pretty informative, too, when you get to see kind of like your launch angle and your speed, that can actually help you on the real golf course too. So it's it's super fun, super chill in here, and uh, we're pumped to be here again. Well, the one thing that I love about the way that I'm doing this show is that I get to do ads for whatever I want and have whatever sponsors I want. So this is perfect, <laughs> like um, you know, to have a place that is really cool for us to come hang out. And uh, another thing that I like about it, it's uh, by the way, Birdie Golf is in Woodbury, right off of 494. It took me 20 minutes to come here from Richfield, so quick little drive right off Valley Creek Road. Um, you get off the exit, and it's like right there. So the thing I like about it that we get to do is just come here and hang out and be at a cool place, kind of whenever we want to do the podcast here. And they welcome us and give us a Diet Coke and a beer for you. So there you go. Um, and we just greatly appreciate all of our sponsors that have uh, jumped on board with us this year. And our draft sponsor, Victory Home Team, those guys are great. They worked with our guy, Jeremy Rushing, so we brought them on. So it's just, it's been awesome to have sponsors get on board with us here and welcome us into their home here at Birdie Golf. So, Sam, let's get to Rick Spielman's press conference because that is why we are podcasting, to react to it. I came away with a couple things. Now I'm going to give them to you, and you tell me if you disagree with any of them. I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to try as hard as they can to be in the second round. I think they are going to draft at some point a quarterback, and I think they're going to draft a kicker. And beyond that, I also think that Rick Spielman recognizes for the first time in a very long time that those seventh-round picks might not be as great as he thinks they are because there are far fewer good players in this draft in the third day, just far fewer players really in the draft. Those were my main takeaways trying to read between the Rick Spielman lines. Do you disagree with any of those? So No, I don't. Now, let's start with the second-round pick thing. Um, he, he tried to posture as if, well, we might trade up, we might trade down, we might stand pat. But he mentioned a couple times that he believes they have the capital to move up into the second round. And I've written about how if you go by the trade chart, that's really, really hard. Unless you're offering a, a player asset or a future asset, using the third and fourth round picks they have now, it's going to cost a lot. Probably like either all of your fourths or both of your thirds and a fourth. Um, add some fifths in there. Like it, It's costly. The second round picks are really valuable. And I don't know if it's as realistic as Rick Spielman's making it out to be. That said, somebody asked him, can you be patient 
between picks 14 and 78, and he sort of chuckled and scoffed, and I don't think he can be. Like, I think he wants to move around. Um, I just don't know if, if trading up into the second is his best play. Somebody else asked, is quality over quantity better this year? And that sort of plays into your seventh-round pick theory. Um, he mentioned that there are significantly fewer players that are like eligible in, in this draft, and we've talked about this on previous shows, how uh, for a variety of reasons the college season was weird, and, and there's going to be, I think, probably sort of a, a plateau once you get to the fourth and fifth round and then dropping off thereafter. So the Vikings would be wise to use some of their capital, move up and get an impact player. Um, I just don't know if you can get into the second round without robbing yourself of, I think, our pretty valuable third and fourth round picks, six of them. Um, so I'd be curious to know what his plan is to accomplish that. Obviously, trading back is much, much easier. Uh, what was your other take? Oh, quarterback and kicker. All right, so Rick Spielman used the line twice. No position is off limits. What he didn't say was, Kirk Cousins is our quarterback. We feel really good about Kirk. We might add some depth behind him. He didn't say that. So... There, that's something. I mean, that's on the table. Um, in terms of kicker, I'm less opposed to it than most because I think the Vikings' process has actually been decent, like finding Blair Walsh, finding Daniel Carlson. Those were pretty good prospects, and they had, you know, Carlson's having a nice career. Walsh was good for about three, four years before he, he fell off the rails. Um, but when you've got 11 picks, I think you, you feel like you have some flexibility. So, uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised about that either. My, my big takeaway was I think he's setting the fans up to not have the offensive line addressed until the third round at least. He mentioned several times how deep it is, how the offensive line class, and I agree. I think there are a ton of good day two tackles. So I don't disagree with that, but it is going to be uncomfortable to wait 77 picks and watch like a dozen good linemen go off the board that's going to frustrate fans, and I think Rick Spielman, Rick Spielman was laying the groundwork for that possibility. Okay, I got that impression too, but let, let's uh, go back to your second-round pick thing, and let me, let me ask you this, because I get this question sometimes in Friday Mailbag. How do you think pressure on Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer impacts their approach to this draft mm-hmm. and how important it would be to get a second-round pick? I mean, think about it this way. like Let's add up all the third-round picks that they have acquired since since 2015. To me, that is just so much of an anomaly, we can't even talk about it. Like, you get Daniel Hunter, Stephon Diggs after the second round. Come on. Uh, you can never expect that. Add up all the thirds and all the fourths versus the seconds, and th- it is an ocean between what they've gotten in the second, even since they got Eric Hendricks in the second round, versus what they've been able to bring in in the third. I mean, Rick was bragging about Alexander Madison as a pick in the third round, and I just, I mean... That, that's it, a weird hill to die on. Uh, it really is, because, like, Alexander Madison is a good football player, but you guys never use him. So, I mean, it's you you traded back and traded back and then took a running back that you haven't used in two years outside of... You know, when Dalvin Cook has been hurt. So that, yeah, it is a strange one to bang your chest about. But also, I mean, who's even a fourth-round pick that you could be excited about since 2015? It actually might make sense in a draft like this that, to me, is so thick with talent in the first two rounds and then falls off so quickly after the second round that I think if he was to sell out and give both thirds for a second or a, you know one of those thirds and a couple of fourths for a second, I would be for it. I would support that in this particular draft. Maybe normally you, you wouldn't, but I think that all the talent pretty much exists in the first two rounds almost every year, and especially this year. Yeah, I think if you miss out on the second round, you're obviously missing out on, like, the best of the day two tackles because they're like Liam Eichenberg uh, is terrific. Brady Christensen is terrific. Jackson Carmen, if he drops, would, would be terrific. Um, all second round guys, I think. You miss out on them. You'd miss out on some pretty good receivers like Deami Brown. I'm a huge fan. Terrace Marshall might dip into the second round as well. Elijah Moore is going to be on that fringe. I mean, and those are positions that the Vikings need, you know? Um, and then whoever you don't take. Uh, like, if you don't take edge rusher in the first round, then again, you're going to have to wait until sort of that third, fourth round area where you only have Daniil Hunter to point to. You've whiffed 
on all of your defensive line picks, really, in that round. Jaleel Johnson, James Lynch doesn't look very good. Um, Jalen Holmes doesn't look very good. Scott Crichton was a bust. Uh there's kind of only like one crown jewel, like at all these positions that Rick Spielman can hang his hat on. But the track record doesn't suggest that he's going to guaranteed nail it. So I, I get it, caller. I, I get why there'd be an appeal to like sort of selling out. I think that's going to be hard for Rick Spielman to stomach, though. I mean, he, he loves amassing picks. He loves casting a wide net. And I think he's still like maybe overvalues the team's process when it comes to scouting these guys and trying to find value. And I think he can't resist a good trade back, too. Like, with, with all those third and fourth rounders, he will be able to kind of shift around and manipulate the board and probably trade back within the round and acquire maybe its future assets, maybe its future sixth and sevenths, which might be more valuable with a larger pool of players next year. And, and we might be looking at, too, where they look down the road – and they say, look, I mean, in 2022, we've got needs all over the place, and we have to take several third-round picks. We have to take several fourth-round picks. But I guess I would just kind of counter with, you know, how's that working out for you? And, and like, I, I'm generally team trade down, but that means in the middle of the first or maybe even early in the second to the middle of the second where there's still value. But once you get into the third, I mean, it's it, it, it just the, the numbers go way down. And even if you look at that Jimmy Johnson chart, you see the numbers, even the way that he valued it back in the day, just fall off the edge of the cliff after the second round because there are just so few hits that you get there. And I know that maybe the goal for a lot of teams would be, hey, let's find starters there, let's find decent players there, guys that are contributors, but I feel like this team needs players who can help right away. They also need just more star talent. I mean, uh, they're so short even going forward on a few different places and have uncertainty in a few different places and still have needs on the offensive line. I totally agree with your point that there is going to be a run on offensive linemen in the second round that if you miss out on then you absolutely are locked into an offensive lineman in the first round. And I don't think they want to be. And I don't think that's a good place to be to be locked in because what if, you know, Slater and Darisaw, what if those guys are off the board? Are you going to reach for an offensive lineman or are you going to wait till one at 78? Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's very vital that they do get back into the second round. Now, let me, um, let me switch to the quarterback thing. Uh, in my reading of Rick Spielman, of many years now, of many of these press conferences, the short answers mean you're on to something. And uh, I asked him directly at the Combine a few years ago, uh, does Stefan Diggs want to be traded? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, so yes. And uh, Courtney got the same thing with her question for Rick Spielman about quarterbacks, where she said, you know, hey, are you guys looking at quarterbacks with, you know, Kirk's contract and everything? And his answer was, we're looking at all positions. So like, so yes. That I mean, we we've already heard that, but I feel like it just solidified it that you know if Trey Lance or Justin Fields falls, I just think it would be impossible for them to pass. And then even in the third round, that that might be an area third or fourth where they're looking at those guys that we have previously discussed. Yeah, is there a quarterback besides the top five where the fans wouldn't be just meh? I mean, does anyone excite you beyond that? It, it depends where you get them, obviously. Like, if you're spending a third on, like, Jamie Newman, for instance, I don't think that's going to move the needle with a lot of people. Kellen Mond might be a little bit exciting. Um, you know, Sage Rosenfeld's guy, Ian Book, is probably going to be there on day three. But I don't find that there's a real appetite for the quarterbacks beyond the top five. And I, I am... I'm 99% sure that these quarterbacks are going to be gone. Like, like, is, doesn't it seem like they're all kind of in the mix to be top five picks? I mean, the 49ers have been flirting with, you know, Lance and Fields and, and Mac Jones has been tossed out there. Like, they all seem to have this perceived top five value that if teams get wind of, of a drop, like to number eight or number nine, and George Payton, I think he's sort of the last line of defense. He's the free safety. He's going to snatch up anybody that, that sinks down that far. I, I would be just flummoxed if the Vikings had a chance at 14 to take one of the big five. And after that, I think there's a pretty huge gap. I mean, I, I think anyone you take at that point, to me, is 
developmental and therefore kind of uninspiring. Okay, let me ask you about Justin Fields then, because I just feel like all of this Justin Fields stuff, whatever it might be, I mean, can't process or we like Mac Jones better and all those things, I feel like it's the ultimate smokescreen of all smokescreen time. And my evidence is from actually a guy who is a birthday bro of mine. We have the same birthday, Ken Carmen in Cleveland. He What's in, your birthday? Uh, June 27th. What's your sign? Uh, cancer. And also, uh, Jeff Conine is my most famous athlete who is also born on my birthday. Oh, yeah. Very my, nice. Yeah, Mr. Marlin. So anyway, um, Ken Carmen is a host in, in Cleveland who I know, and he's tremendous. He just He's great. Like, I think one of the best hosts in the country. In 2018, when there was the quarterback madness of Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen, and Baker Mayfield and, and all that, um, he kept track of every insider report. And then he tweeted it the other day. I saw this. Oh, my God, was it funny. I mean, it's one of the funniest things I've ever read on the Internet. Like somebody reporting that they saw uh, A.J. McCarron in a Browns hat. Like there was insiders who were sure it was Josh Rosen, and then they thought that Josh Rosen wanted um, to only play football for money, and so then it was Josh Allen, and then it was like they were at Baker Mayfield's pro day, and then I mean it was so funny how the insiders chased their tails, and I feel like it's going to be the same thing here. So I'm not believing that Justin Fields drops, but if one of the guys does, I think that that would be one of those like totally franchise-turning type of moves that they just couldn't possibly ignore. And anything else, yeah, gets a meh. I mean, Kellen Mond even, if they were to trade back into the second, late second, and get Kellen Mond or something, I don't think anyone's throwing a big party. That's going to have sort of a Tavares Jackson type of feel of like, well, you couldn't really get the big guys, so you kind of got the next guy. And, you know, second rounders. I mean, that's, that's the thing. So I got a great email from someone about second-rounders versus first-rounders because yeah. I kind of said, look, if it's past the first, don't really bother. And the point that he was making is, look, a lot of starters come from the second round and third round. Yep. But you don't usually change your franchise from there. Brett Favre did. Of course, he got traded um, from the Falcons to the Packers. Drew Brees did. Joe Montana did. Mm-hmm. But... If you look at the list of first-rounders who have been hits, I mean, it's like Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning and Peyton Manning. I mean, you're talking about if you Aaron Rodgers, if you want to get someone who will alter the course of your franchise, picking him in the second or third round is just not going to do it, and especially today when everyone has access to everything. So I, I think that fans are kind of onto that, and they're sort of not really excited about, oh, the, the you know eighth best quarterback or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do it, do it in the first round. Otherwise, it's going to be met with a shrug from me and I think a shrug from everybody else. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson's are pretty rare. Dak Prescott's are pretty rare, and because how prominent they are, you know, Tom Brady, obviously, too, because of how prominent they are in the league, and those are faces of, like, major franchises, people can, I think, get convinced that, oh, you know, the, my team can do that, too. But it's one it, – it is one in a million. Like, like your odds of getting that type of player at that spot are so rare, um, with, like you said, with all the information that we have. So I, I don't know – and. The Vikings have opened up this door collar by not addressing quarterback in free agency. Like, that that's as big a tell as anything Rick Spielman's going to say, right? I mean, the fact that they would literally go into the draft without a backup quarterback besides Jake Browning and Nate Stanley, that's pretty telling. Um, I just don't think it's going to be an exciting prospect. The, the Vikings have never really done this. They They've never found a sort of like developmental quarterback in the mid rounds. They only go, they go first round when they want a franchise guy, Ponder and Bridgewater. And then they go UDFA or last year, Nate Stanley, which was a glorified UDFA in the seventh round. They don't do the mid round quarterback. So this is sort of uncharted waters for Rick Spielman and company. If they do it, um, I don't think we're going to be like floored by whatever it is, but um, hey, it'll be something new. It'll be like a rookie quarterback who might be a backup. Like, even that would be sort of groundbreaking for this team, it seems like. Okay, which – I have two questions. Which one would you prefer of the mid-round quarterbacks? And then follow-up question is, 
How about a trade-up? How about a trade-up for a quarterback? Let's say that Trey Lance makes it to eight, and Carolina says, now we're good with uh, Sam Darnold. We're all set. So if you guys want to give us your first, next year's first, or, or something, next year's second, I don't know. I think it would take next year's first also. Give us your first, next year's first, and one of them third rounders. Would you do that to move up to take Trey Lance? This year's first, next year's first, and I'm one of the third rounders? Yeah, I think I would. I would. Yeah, I, I, think, I would too. I think I would. I think, you, you know, it takes cojones because you're putting yourself out there and this front office might be on thin ice. I don't know for sure. But I think that if you want to set up your future beyond Kirk Cousins, you need to make that move in the next 12 months, right? So, I mean, it, you're not married to Kirk Cousins beyond next year. You're just not. Like, he's not Aaron Rodgers, who has sort of a lifetime contract with the team that he's with. Um, and even he might not. And he's Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, because you know that Kirk Cousins is not your indefinite quarterback, you need to find his replacement at some point and sometime soon, um, as early as this draft. This is the, your first opportunity, I think, to find that guy. So, I would. I would do that, especially because you're trying to win really, really bad this year, which means your first-round pick next year is probably in the 20s. Like, let's be honest about that. The Vikings will probably be good enough to have a fairly late first-round pick next year, which has less value, Uh, and you have an extra third-round pick this year. So if you give one of those up, you still have one. So, yeah, I think I would do that. So the reason that I would, for Trey Lance specifically – is because the high end of Trey Lance is special. And what we were just talking about with if you're going to draft somebody, make sure they can change your franchise. And I should pull up my list of guys that were, you know, just first-round draft picks. Even going back, I mean, there were 20 first-round quarterbacks who changed their franchise, not not just, like, became hits or misses, but someone like Michael Vick. I mean, you know, the dog thing ends up being so that he doesn't work out long-term for them. But that guy, I mean, he altered an entire franchise for a decade, basically, and, and he took that franchise and elevated it to new levels to where people not only were, you know, excited for their product, but they could also go to Green Bay and, and beat the Packers there, right? I think that was... Uh Think that right? Michael Vick beat yep, beat the Packers at Atlanta. Like, one, I want to say right. Do special things, and even think about like this team drafting Dante Culpepper, who I think is a really good comparison for Trey Lance. Because remember, I mean, he was not a polished quarterback when he came out. He was just this giant, unbelievable athlete who could throw the ball a million yards. Well, it's kind of like Trey Lance, where he brings that running element. And there has not since Fran Tarkenton been a more exciting quarterback to play for the Minnesota Vikings since Dante Culpepper. So if you were saying, would I give up the next year's first rounder to have a chance at what Dante Culpepper was for this franchise, and he's got his you know, sort of Randy Moss in Justin Jefferson already, that would factor in, too, that the other most valuable player you can have is already here and will be here for a long time. That, that would be a yes for me, and I think that that would be the biggest thing that would shock the mock drafters and the draft analysts but I'm going to say that I wouldn't be shocked because it's been brought up to me a few times by just, you know, emailers, commenters, and I, and I agree with this, that if they had an answer for next year at quarterback and they went 10-7 and seven this year, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman aren't losing their jobs if they have an answer at quarterback because what you could project is, well, Kirk Cousins will probably lose the games he's supposed to win, you know, as an $80 million yeah. quarterback or whatever, whatever the millions are at That'd now. That would be an Alex Smith situation exactly and really if you think about like there was pressure on Andy Reid at that point in Kansas City all of a sudden now we forget about that but it can totally alter your franchise and the other thing too is you get a year to decide is he going to be worth it is Trey Lance worth it or did we screw up like the Packers may have with Jordan Love yeah let me pose this to you too do you think Trey Lance's draft stock and you can lump all the opt-out guys into this, too. The ones who didn't play in 2020, who had pretty good 2019 tape, do you think that hurt or harmed his stock? Like, could he have increased his stock with with any 2020 film? Um, or do you think, like, is he sort of an... 
is he like still kind of a hidden gem because of how little film he has? Like, would he, if he had duplicated that, would he be a top two pick? Folks, the football offseason is off and rolling, and SodaStick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. Some of my favorite football designs that you have to check out include the Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor gear. You can commemorate Randy Moss's disgusting act on a shirt or a hoodie. And if you're old school, check out the Purple People Eaters design as well. Go to SodaStick.com and check them all out. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your Minnesota sports-inspired gear. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Plus, keep your eyes and ears out for our giveaways going on on this show as well on social media. Follow them at SodaStickCo on Twitter and at SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Hey everyone, we have a new special offer to tell you about with our friends at Symbol. If you go to Symbol.app, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P, and sign up as a first-time user with a $20 deposit into Symbol using the promo code PURPLE, you will receive six months free of premium Purple Insider written content at purpleinsider.substack.com. So go to Symbol.app. Deposit $20 if you're a first-time user, six months free of our premium written content at Purple Insider. If you are not familiar yet with Symbol, it is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. So as we are fully into draft season, you're going to want to get in now with your team before their stock rises. Here's how it works. You buy stock of teams, and when your teams win, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. So check it out, symbol.app. Follow them on Twitter at Symbol Exchange, and check out the marketplace for sports. I think it's really hard to figure out. You know how I think of Trey Lance is like a baseball prospect, where if you're drafting an 18-year-old, if you're drafting Royce Lewis, who is definitely a former twin, right? Uh, current twin, okay. who's, who's torn an ACL, I think, and is out for like a second straight year. Okay, but the point is he was a top twins selection. First round, that, right. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, so if you are drafting him, he was coming out of high school. He's like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And you see tools and you see character, what you can glean from character of an 18-year-old, right? Yeah. I think the same thing is with Trey Lance where, yes, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's a long way to go. But you just have to take a guy on tools, and yes, if he had had a, a season that was down a little bit, that probably would have dropped his stock. Um, but I think his tools are so exceptional, and especially since Josh Allen has worked out. I, th- I do think that Josh Allen is an outlier here, but since Josh Allen was the tools guy, I, I think that that makes Trey Lance more attractive. It's very hard to figure out, though, how much it affects his draft stock that he didn't play. And the one game he played, it was against, what, Arkansas State or something? Mm-hmm. I mean, what can you do there? Yeah, I, I tend to think that the opt-outs generally helped a lot of prospects because the ones that opted out had pretty good resumes already. Rashawn Slater knew that he could only hurt his stock because, you know, you're you're a Northwestern tackle you're probably not getting much higher than, than where he's already going, which is like 12th. Um, but someone like Trey Lance, there's probably just enough doubt because you want to be certain about your quarterback, as certain as you can be. There's probably just enough doubt about his level of play and about his limited tape that I think he probably is a little a little lower like in the pecking order than he would have been if he'd had two years of that film. So... I think he's probably the best value proposition for whoever ends up getting him, especially if he falls below San Francisco. And he's the fourth quarterback off the board. There could be three teams kicking themselves in about six months. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that. I think the difficult thing for them would be if he gets into that middle, like between five and ten, if Atlanta doesn't pick him or mm-hmm. whoever. And, and I guess this all applies to Justin Fields, too. Uh, but it... If Justin Fields got to eight, I would say if you don't try to trade up and get him, you're making a huge mistake if you're the Vikings. Um, if Trey Lance is there, I could see how maybe they would have some questions. It's Minnesota. They would know. But I don't know. They've passed on other players from Minnesota, too, and made mistakes like Antoine Winfield Jr. But um, 
you know, I, to me, Fields is more of a sure thing than uh, Lance. So if he got to eight, it, I think you have to try to jump up over Denver because they'll take him. If he ends up there, they have to take one of those quarterbacks. There is the other option of just rolling the dice and seeing how it plays out. And and that was what I was going to ask is, you know, Rick seemed to imply that there's a little more uncertainty with just what's going to happen even in the first round than before. What do you think would be the scenario outside of quarterback where the Vikings would throw a party like they did last year for Justin Jefferson? I mean, that's sort of become famous now of like the, the, you know, the entire draft room celebrating that Justin Jefferson was not picked by the Philadelphia Eagles. What's the equivalent to that this year? That's a great question because their two biggest needs are probably O-line, D-line. And I don't think there's anybody on the D-line that you're celebrating dropping because you probably have your pick of the litter. There is no D-lineman that is projected to go top 10. You probably are going to be able to choose from Barmore, Russo, Owe, maybe even Pay. Like, Quiddy Pay is the only one who's kind of on that borderline. Um I, I, and I don't think he is worth, like, having the celebration and, like, popping the champagne. I also feel the same, like, I guess Penny Sewell. Like, Sewell would be sort of the crazy scenario where all the quarterbacks go, all the wide receivers go, Kyle Pitts goes, and maybe somebody takes, like, Sertain, you know, or Sertan above uh, Sewell and he drops. Other than that, um... I, I guess a, a, maybe a wide receiver. Like, again, if sort of they have their evaluation on wide receivers and they think that um, Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell is going to be, like, the equivalent of Justin Jefferson, maybe that's the celebration. I just, I'm, I'm less and less convinced that this team is going to go that route in the first round. I think even though Daniel Jeremiah mocked it, it was fun to talk about. That to me doesn't seem realistic for this front office. I think so too. That it, it doesn't seem realistic that if Jalen Waddle was there or Devonte Smith, they would trade trade back. And it, I mean, it seems like Rick was getting pretty excited talking about trading, no matter what. Which I mean, it's just like some things become sort of like beyond parody. Him talking about how much he, we have this draft capital to trade here, or we could trade here, or we could trade there. You're like. Man, love something in your life like Rick Spielman loves trading draft capital. Uh, but, you know, that would be a really tough one because, I mean, I think all three of the top three wide receivers are truly special pro- uh, prospects. And they also have the things that I think connect best to success. And what I mean is, like, route running, you know, like – ball tracking. I mean, we're not talking about Corey Coleman's here who just ran the super fast 40 or John Ross's or whatever, which I mean, in hindsight, how crazy are those picks just based on guys who really didn't know how to play the game. Um, but these guys aren't like that. I mean, you're talking about even Devonte Smith where he has like the, the slight build, but he also has some of the longest arms in the draft, the biggest hands. And like, I think these guys are all really well built. So if they were to trade down out of those picks, I think that sort of says you might end up regretting it. And like you said, you can get offensive line in the third round. Um, But that leads me to kind of my next question for you, which is what would garner great grades from the draft analysts? And is it different from us? Like how will the draft analysts look at this Vikings draft and grade it? And what would get good grades from them? Versus how you would do it. Um, and first, a shameless plug. We also talked about this in brief on a uh, Purple Insider Extra. Check it out on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think draft analysts who, let's face it, when you are covering 32 teams, it, you're sort of looking at the, the needs, whether they filled them with a player that wasn't a horrible reach. So the draft analysts are going to love if the Vikings take, I think, like, Vera Tucker in the first round and then, uh, you know, Peyton Turner or Joe Tryon in the third round and they kind of check the boxes, that that makes the draft analysts happy when you fill your needs with, with players that, you know, might be of great value. I think that we would tend to look uh, maybe a year down the road. Like, I think we would both endorse a cornerback 
pick in the first round because the cornerback classes, it's rich, man. Like, Mike Zimmer would love all these guys. J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, and Caleb Farley are, like, built in a Zimmer lab. They are big, physical, press corners, can play on the outside. I think Zimmer kind of has to bite his tongue whenever they take one of these, like, 5'10 nickel hybrids. He would love any of these corners, and I would too, frankly. Like, I think the, the corner prospects are better than the defensive end prospects, so I would endorse that. Um, I don't know if the analysts would. They'd probably look at the roster and say, you drafted or you signed Patrick Peterson and Mackenzie Alexander and then picked a cornerback. That's like, that's a luxury pick. But I would be okay with it because of 2022. Sometimes you have to look a year ahead. Um, offensive, um, offensive help is like much needed right now on this team. They didn't do anything in free agency. So, if they took offense of any kind, not just offensive line, but wide receiver or Kyle Pitts, probably the only tight end that I would endorse, I think that would be okay too, and I don't know if the analysts would love that. Well, of course, uh, drafting a quarterback probably gets an A from us, and I'm yeah. sure that it would get an A from all the analysts too. Uh, because and I th- Pitts would as well. Yeah, right. If you take anyone who is projected in the top ten, that's going to get you – an A from uh, the analysts, and I also think when it comes to the later rounds that a lot of the draft analysts value that way more than they should, that they'll look at your fourth-round pick and be like, oh, I had that guy as a second-rounder, and you picked him in the fourth round. Well, you know what that means is that you were probably wrong. I mean, that like I don't acquiesce to the football men all the time, but I also think that if you look at historically, and I saw a really good stat on this, the the picks one through five since 1970 have produced 30 Hall of Famers. The next five picks have produced half as many as that. That means that these guys know what they're doing, these teams. And you get a Stephon Diggs every once in a while. But if you look at the all-time draft value, it goes down even from the first five picks to the next five picks to the next ten picks to the, to the second round. And that, t- that to me tells me that the league – really does a good job of picking out who the most talented players are. So all that means is if a guy gets drafted in the fourth round that you had in the second, that doesn't necessarily mean the team did something super special and they deserve a a trophy. It means that you overvalued the guy and you should kind of look yourself in the mirror a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'll have another one. Thank you. You're awesome. We don't have to hide on the podcast that they're bringing us free drinks, uh, Sam. It's great. That's what Birdie Golf's all about. Birdie Golf is the best. That's what it's all about. Um, so anyway, I, I just think that, um, they, they put too much into who you got in the third and who you got in the fourth and everything else. I probably won't unless it's something really special and I'm very surprised. Um, I'll put it all into how the first two rounds are handled and whether they got someone who I think is going to be at a position of major value is how I'll look at it in the future. And maybe even now that would be a bonus for me, but that's why corner comes up. And that's why I defend corner because it's a position of major value. I was looking at the wins above replacement for free agents that went, that uh, PFF has and Richard Sherman's performance in 2019 because corners play so many snaps that if you play at an elite level, you are worth a whole win to your team alone. I mean, which is about as high as any position except for quarterback. So, you know, that's the way I would look at it is, did you get someone who could be great right away and for the future and not just, hey, we need this right now? Thank you so much. Really yeah, thank it. you. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. And, you know, you look at the Vikings in 2022 – you're not guaranteed to have Mike Hughes, Patrick Peterson, or Mackenzie Alexander. And I wrote this today. Like, if you're choosing between edge rusher and corner, yes, they're both extremely important. You know, cover and rush, rush and cover. But I think I'd rather have a subpar edge rusher than a subpar CB2. Because the cornerback is on an island. If you've got a bad second cornerback or a a raw second cornerback, like the Vikings had last year, you're in serious trouble in a passing league. Um, you know, I'd, I'd probably rather have, like, roll the dice with Stephen Weatherly and DJ Wanham than have a cruddy, like, outside cornerback. So I, I, I think the Vikings should actually consider corner, if not in the first round, uh, try it out in the third round. And they found a good one last year in Cameron Dantzler. Can I just tell you that... 
the musical choices behind us, outside of one Nickelback song that played, Chris Cornell's cover of Billie Jean is playing behind us, which is unreal if you've never heard it. Chris Cornell is one of the goats, and him covering Billie Jean is the coolest. You're a guitar so, guy. I am, People yeah. don't realize that. You don't talk about it probably enough, but Matthew Collar is kind of like the, the local Vikings beat um, music man. Uh, yeah, well, you ben, ben, ben Gessling ben, also. Yes, yeah. yeah. Ben, ben is um, Ben understands music theory better than I do. I am more of like a uh, rip-off 80s shredder slash occasional blues enjoyer. But, um, you know, if you watch YouTube for some of the great YouTube guitars and stuff, you, you never want to brag about it. I mean, there's so many great people um, that way. But I do have a, a great appreciation for the grunge era and Chris Cornell. So great music choices at Birdie Golf. Um, last thing for you, and then I want final predictions from you. Okay. Give me give me day three. Like, what do you want to see? Is there anything that would excite you? Is there any? Because day three for us is often just a very long day. In fact, it's the longest day of the year as a Vikings reporter. That includes all games. <laughs> it's, it's, Easily. I mean, we start at 11 o'clock, and we probably finish all of our work, I mean, maybe at like 10 o'clock at night, midnight. I mean, just you have so many people to write up, so many conference calls, all these things on day three. But is there anything that you think would be like, wow, they really did that, uh, aside from the quarterbacks that we talked about? Yeah, let me just add that it's it's a little disconcerting when you and I prep our butts off for the draft. We do a 72-page draft guide, um, and we feel like we have a handle on things Thursday and Friday, and then Saturday comes around, and you suddenly don't know who they're picking. That's always a little bit of a sinking feeling, and that's probably going to happen again. Vikings have eight picks right now on Saturday. You know, that fourth round is pretty compelling to me because you have so much capital. You have the ability to move up, to move down, um, and to get players that I think are, are fairly recognizable if you've been, like, kind of running the mocks. Usually there are there's a small handful of players that are going to fall – from Friday night into Saturday, can you position yourself to take one of them at the, at the front of the fourth round? Um, at that point, let's say you have three picks. Let's say that you've addressed like a couple of your biggest needs, offensive line, defensive line, and then a one additional. Quarterback, I don't, I don't care at that point. If you take a quarterback, it's not going to really affect me. My heart rate's not going to go up. I think... Uh, Trying to find a little more offensive line depth at that stage and taking shots and not being deterred by your past failures. The Vikings have really whiffed in the fourth round a lot on the offensive line, but I don't think that means they should stop trying. I think that, you know, you try to get Kendrick Green. Like if Kendrick Green is falling into the fourth round, go get him. Um, be aggressive there. And give the offense a little attention, too. That, that's what I would expect. If I were Kirk Cousins, I would look at the imbalance in the offseason, and I would say, I, I hope that they give us something in the draft. Like, I hope that we get at least two of the first three picks and, and a lot of the day three depth because they've done nothing. Like, we've lost a left tackle. We've lost a starting tight end. And what have we done to add to the mix? So help us out a little bit and, and at least give us some bodies to uh, kind of play around with in training camp. Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 877-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. So um, I agree with you on the fourth round thing. What I'm looking forward to is for sure 
the players that we've never heard of in the sixth and seventh. Because every time we think, like you said, we've simulated the draft so many times, we got an idea of who's going to be around, and then it's just, wait, I can't even find this guy in a Google search. <laughs> like, who is this player? Uh, the other thing is, too, they always... Alexander Madison and Jalen Holmes are examples of this, where, again, you think you've got a really good handle on the top, like, 200, and then you go, wait a minute, what? DJ Wanham was this way, too. Or you just, I don't know who this player is because, you know, PFF or other, um, you know, boards just did not have this guy anywhere close to the fourth round. So that's always a, a curious thing that happens. But the, the thing that I would say, give this a shot is to get a really exciting wide receiver in the third or fourth Mm -hmm. if you don't take one in the first round. Um, Because I think that uh, that, to me, would be just like a really important thing that could benefit them right away would be to to get somebody like a Jalen Darden or a Tutu Atwell that, you know what, they might not work out, but they also could be a part of your you know, a part of your offense next year in some capacity. Like, you know, we always look back and say, hey, what about Jarius Wright in that role he had? Well, Jarius Wright didn't have that many catches, but he had big catches and big plays for them in 2017. And they just have been lacking that. They've been lacking, like, a fun playmaker guy that hasn't been a star. Like, obviously, Stephon Diggs is a star. Justin Jefferson's a star. But I think of, like, back in the day of a David Palmer or something or, like, an Amp Lee. Like, I know Amp Lee's a running back. But, you know, I mean – Guys who were these sort of playmakers, they were role players. Um, Mo Williams was another guy who, I wouldn't say he was super excited, but he returned kicks and, you know, had this role that he kind of carved out for himself. They're kind of missing that. They missed, I think, an opportunity with that with Mike Boone to use him as this move-around type of player. I know that's your guy. Um, I'd like to see that guy drafted in the third or fourth round. All right. Before we wrap, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to say, they haven't really had a gadget guy. You know, like um, Curtis Samuel, who you were pounding the table for in free agency, he can be an impact in the running game. And thus far, like, this kind of, it's kind of a modern concept, getting your receivers involved in the running game. It's being used more and more. Adam Thielen has been their go-to in that regard, and I think they can do better. And, like, someone like Tutu Atwell, who – you know, is not going to go up and get contested catches, but he is super fast and he can go like laterally along the line of scrimmage and just try, try to find a different type of player that you haven't really attempted before. I mean, it, it wouldn't take much to upgrade from Chad Beebe. Right. Yes. Who is your current yes. wide receiver three? It would not. You could find a an average fourth or fifth round receiver who could compete with BB in 2021. I just think it also shows how desperate people were for somebody exciting outside of the top two that they were into Alexander Hollins last year. Like, the fans... I'm guilty of that. ...really wanted Alexander Hollins to be the guy. And, yeah, I mean, me too, to some extent. Uh, my whole thing was, look, if Alexander Hollins plays, you're screwed. So don't worry too much about it. Uh, but, you know, I saw the other day... Oh, man. I mean, just these funny things that pop up. Somebody showed me, a, like, Kyle Hinton bench pressing or something it's just like look man if kyle hinton makes it that is amazing for him but there's a lot of sort of reliance or hope with vikings fans about these guys like ole udo and kyle hinton and you know bc johnson or dylan mitchell or mm-hmm. uh kj osborne or whatever like draft somebody draft somebody who has got something special to their game i mean none of those guys have had it None of those guys have had a thing where you even looked at him on paper and you went, oh, my God, this guy runs like a 4-3. I mean, Dylan Mitchell was sort of a nice athlete, but still, I mean, it wasn't special. It wasn't anything that really made the guy stand out. Um, Same with, like, Rodney Adams or, you know, K.J. Osborne was one of those real head scratchers of, you you got a punt returner, huh? I mean, is that the same in the NFL as punt returning at Miami? I'm, I'm not sure that it is. So... That, that's what that's what I would like to see in the third uh, or fourth through seventh round or even late in the third. All right, I want you to put it on record. I have I have gone on record already saying that Elijah Vera Tucker will be a Minnesota Viking. That's what I think. I think with the 14th pick, they will take they will stay there and they will take Elijah Vera Tucker. That is my guess. I want you to put it down on record right now. Who do you think the Minnesota Vikings pick? So can I give you a boring pick and an exciting pick? Okay, I, I want you, I want your I want your official okay. official. 
And then you can give the exciting official, one. Official, official is official. Christian Derisaw. Okay, I like it. Uh, ACC, Vikings love that conference for offensive linemen. Pure left tackle, pretty safe pick. My exciting pick is Caleb Farley. I, okay, interesting. I, now he's supposed to drop. A lot of people have him dropping I, because of the back thing. Yeah. You think yeah, they would do it anyway? I think you have to account for some smoke screens. Like, I'm always skeptical of any news yeah, that I agree. comes out this late in the game. And if not Farley, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's Greg Newsome or maybe it's, you know, Sertan. I, I could see corner. I'm talking myself into corner. And um, I just think that those top three corners or so are all really, really good. Mike Zimmer, this is your podcast, brother, where we promote corners <laughs> in the first round. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I like it. So I'm going to order some food here at Birdie Golf. Last time we got boneless wings, and I thought those were really good. They gave us a lot. Um, but there's a yeah, lot I'd, of options I'd, here. I'd split them with you. Okay, let's do that. Let's split, uh, let's split some boneless wings. Um, Birdie Golf in Woodbury. Right off exit 59, Valley Creek Road. It's kind of in like a little mall thing. You honestly cannot miss it if you get off at the exit. It's right near the McDonald's. And I, it was really nice because I heard from one of the listeners to our show on Twitter that tagged Birdie Golf, and I appreciate them doing that, that uh, they were kind of looking for, hey, what should we do kind of thing. They brought their dad here. They had a fun time. And that's one of the nice things about it, just before we wrap up, is like if you love golf, but you feel like, oh, man, I don't want to leave the family for, like, five hours or whatever. This is set up for not just, like, hardcore golfers, but you could bring the kids, you could bring the, 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 the family, and, you know, have a good time. So I really appreciate them again through draft season. And I know that you and I, and I know that you have the, uh, the young children at home, but I feel like you can sneak out for an hour to play golf with me throughout the summer uh, at Birdie Golf. So we appreciate them very much for having us here. And Definitely. we're going to get some food, so we will – Talk to you guys. I'll talk to you, Sam, on draft night. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. WCCO live stream. Going to be awesome. Yep, on Twitter or on Facebook. And even if you do not have a Twitter, if you just go to twitter.com slash WCCO radio, you can still watch it anyway. Like You don't even have to have a Twitter account because I got that question today. So, all right. Appreciate you all listening. We'll catch you next time.